Hello WZIP, welcome to your favorite source of entertainment news, recaps, and commentaries. This is David from Entertainment Rebooted, and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie. Hi everybody. And today we're talking about episode 4 titled The Foundling of the Mandalorian Season 3. Cutest for starter, title ever. For Oh yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's it's like one of uh one of my favorite titles and probably my favorite episode, but we'll get into that. Um, for starters, we're going to be going deep into spoiler territory here, but not just yet. Before we do that, let's share our first impressions and give a short summary for our audience who may have not seen Episode 4, Season 3 of The Mandalorian. What are do. you doing? Yeah, what are you doing with your life if you haven't? You're making a mistake. Um, <laughs> Rectify this immediately. And by the, by the way, after you do see that, this next chapter, and probably the best Star Wars storyline in recent memory... Make sure to come back for our spoiler-filled conversation where we talk about all of our greatest theories and expectations. Cough, cough, Mace Windu cameo. Please, Disney, please. I'll go first. still on that. (laughs) I know. I'm not going to give it up. Um, I thought this episode... (laughs) Sorry, I had to. Continue. Right. Please continue. Yes, yes. Um, I I think uh, this episode was probably my favorite of all. it's another one of those. Uh, I hate to say, I hate to patronize this episode and, and I guess the Mandalorian as a whole. This is a common theme where it's like Monster of the Week, you know? Okay, we have a new conflict. What's our What's our thing going to be about? Um, and this this episode does that, as I'm sure a lot of people who are familiar with the show probably were expecting. But there were a lot of meaningful developments, and we'll get into those. Some some interesting lore bits, a few a uh, few revelations here and there. Um, and it ends on a really nice note. I think uh, the there's certainly some family dynamics that we'll get into as well that uh, were personally for me really interesting um, between not only our main duo, but some other characters that I guess we'll mention later in our spoiler category. Um, but for me, I if I had to give, give a quick rating, probably a solid 9, 10 out of 10, uh, on par with episode 1 uh, for me in terms of uh, not just adding and, and expanding on some of the questions that I had at the beginning of this season, but also answering some questions and giving some new developments, those revelations that I talked about. Uh, for me personally, just really interesting, another classic episode in the Mandalorian storyline. Yeah, I, I liked this episode too. Um, I will say that it was, it felt more focused on character than plot. That's was, probably why I liked it so much, mm-hmm. actually, now that I think about like, it. Not that it didn't have a plot, because it definitely did, but in terms of the overall arc of the season, like I mentioned it in one of our past review sessions, where I was surprised that we went to Mandalore as early as we did, because I expected it to be kind of like the finale. This whole season was going to be Din's redemption, and it turned out that that was not the case. So I am feeling a little bit like in the middle, like, okay, when's the next thing going to happen? So in terms, it felt like it was a little bit of a filler episode in terms of an overall arc of the season. Not that it wasn't a good episode, because I do think it was. I, we, got, we got a lot of good character dynamics here um, between Bo and Vizsla, Din and Vizsla, Din and Bo and Grogu, Grogu in the armor, all these different character pairings that got to interact and definitely we got some order 66 which we'll get into <laughs> exciting i'm excited to find out what you thought about that and i i do think that it was very it was very fun it was a little on the shorter side compared to previous episodes that's right yeah about 35 minute runtime i think something around thereabouts that. um i think uh well 
Should we get into spoilers now? Because now you, you mentioned yeah. Order 66. And yeah, I I'm, I'm not good it. at avoiding spoilers. <laughs> I'm, I, don't wanna, I like spoiling I don't want to make a mistake for our audience here. Yeah. Um, okay. If you haven't seen it already, go watch The Mandalorian. Season 3 is great. This episode, in my opinion, my favorite. One of the best. Really good developments. Go watch it. Um, but from this moment on, this is your official spoiler warning. So everything's off the table. We're going to get to the good stuff now. So get out of here and watch it if you haven't already. Here we have a recap of this episode. Some funny commentary by me, hopefully. Uh, hopefully I can get a chuckle out of you guys. But also some interesting lore bits, a few, uh, few behind-the-scenes uh, facts and uh, returning characters. So we'll get to that uh, when we get there. But our episode begins, this newest addition to our Star Wars story, begins with Mando's clan sparring and training in their hideout. With tons of Mandalorian armors visible, got to thank the costume department for making so many different unique pieces of armor with different color schemes for every background extra. The action pauses to cut to our main trio, Bo-Katan, Mando, and of course, our little green friend Grogu, who is doing what he does best, playing with the wildlife. This time, it's these rock crab creatures which would undoubtedly destroy Grogu's poor teeth if he has any. Uh, thankfully, Mando interrupts our green friend to give him a task fit only for a Mandalorian to train with the other, much taller members of this little community. Grogu trains with the foundling found in the first shot of our season three pr premiere, named Ragnar. Uh, Grogu struggles to get the confidence to train against such a fearsome opponent. Uh, he has to win an old school duel, actually, against this generally and genuinely arrogant foundling. But his daddy, Mando, encourages him to get, to get the job done. Grogu must hit three paintball-style darts on his partner in order to win this duel. He gets struck twice, where Grogu uses his Jedi training from Luke Skywalker to gain the upper hand, landing all three shots. Maybe our little Grogu is destined for more than just the Jedi. Our training gets interrupted when the foundling, Ragnar, Grogu trains with is uh, grabbed by a large winged beast. Mando and clan give chase, but they can't catch up, leading to this episode's main conflict. But just one small problem. This foundling is the son of Paz Vizsla, dun, the, dun. the fellow larger Mandalorian that seems to hate our main man, Mando Din Djarin. Bo-Katan manages to chase the beast with her ship before everyone else gave up, reporting back to the clan that the beast has taken the child to its lair. Our crew will run out of time, but must assemble a team to save the kid. Back at the hideout, the armorer pulls Grogu into the forge, where our Beskar steel is made to use. The sound of the forge triggers something within Grogu. The flashes of light bring us back to his most horrifying memory, the Jedi Purge, Order 66. We begin this flashback in a tight retreat, escaping from blaster fire, retreating into an elevator, retreating from blaster fire from what was once protectors of the galaxy. Grogu has nobody left to help him escape, but what emerges from the doors of the elevator is not Mace Windu, <laughs> like I was hoping, but Jedi Kelleran Beck, played by Star Wars alum Ahmed Best, who, if you didn't know, previously played the iconic character Jar Jar Binks in the prequel trilogy. Were you so, so shocked? I was. I, <laughs> I saw his face and immediately knew, because I've seen so many background things on him. So I, I already knew his face, and I, I was very much caught off guard. And apparently he's a returning character. I guess he was like... Like a... Game Jedi show, Temple, like, like training. Yeah, like so. I thought that was interesting. He has, he already has his own Wikipedia page. So this is just adding, you know, to that, which I thought was really interesting. Um, 
let's where was I? <laughs> um, love or hate the character, our new Jedi survive saver <laughs> protects Grogu, taking him to a ship set to depart for some of Beck's allies, whom they are, we are yet to see. As this flashback ends, bringing us back to the forge within our Mandalorian hideout. The armor completes this work, gifting Grogu the sigil of the beast, furthering Grogu's development within the clan, a common theme within this episode. We cut back to our savior squads, dead set on saving Ragnar, the foundling, which was taken from our characters. Bo-Katan leads this mission, bringing Mando, his father, Paz Vizsla, and some other reinforcements, and comes with a plan to take the beast by surprise. Since their jetpacks are too loud and will alert the beast, and probably eliminate Ragnar, which wouldn't be good. The squad scales the mountain to the top using their grapple hooks, where the beasts nest, along with Ragnar nestled inside. Vizsla then sees Ragnar, hastily rushes in, waking up the beast's babies, which we didn't know were there, um, which yell for their parent. This leads to a battle against the beast, which now has Ragnar within its grasp. Then the squad takes down the beast, as we'll probably expecting um, after a long and exciting action set piece within the air using their jetpacks that they now have free reign to use Vizsla thanks his companions and shows them some respect for Mando and Bo for saving his child there seems to be an uh, no longer an uneasy relationship maybe an uneasy relationship I guess we'll see in future episodes but there's certainly a line of respect there that wasn't there before they all return to the hideout, bringing the offspring of the beast as new foundlings to train. Little little baby winged beasts. Hopefully we see them later. Which is really funny, by the way. Um, Bo returns to the forge with the armor. And as a reward for doing what the clan sees as the highest honor one can have, saving a foundling, grants Bo the sigil of her clan, Clan Kreis, Kreis, however you pronounce Kreis. it, Kreis, as well as the sigil of the Mythosaur, of which Bo personally requested. She seems to be getting a little bit more attached to this new new community of hers, especially after her previous one left her. So we'll see where that develops in future episodes. Bo then tells the armor she has seen the Mythosaur in the Mines of Mandalore. The armor doesn't believe her, but then after some insistence by our character Bo, the episode then ends with the final line familiar with fans of the series said by the armor, this is the way. So I think that was a pretty... Pretty solid episode. A lot of interesting developments, especially with that Grogu flashback. Um, probably the highlight of the episode for most people, um, especially after the last one, which was kind of its own little storyline, which I personally liked, but um, I wasn't able to share my opinions on that last recap, unfortunately. Um, but I think for most people, it's going to be that and that action set piece as well with the the beast in the air, the jetpacks. Just a lot of cool, you know, use of the Mandalorian equipment, which is always fun, especially in this show. Um, seeing the grapple hooks get used and the jetpacks and all that. It's always fun, always entertaining. What did you think about this episode now that we've delved into some spoilers? What don't I think about this episode? <laughs> so I, I agree that the action set piece with the saving Ragnar was pretty cool. Um, the only thing that was a little funny was when Ragnar got released by the monster mm. the first time. It was kind of really funny how it looked kind of spit Ragnar out of its mouth <laughs> and then Vizsla was like he's alive <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was a little funny but the the fight scene more than made up for it in my opinion and actually funny story when we were I was watching it with my mom and 
we were just watching this this fight scene go down you know they get ragnar and then actually the space crocodile thing from the Uh, earlier episode the first episode i think even that attacked them before at again ragnar's ceremony thing so this kid is a magnet for giant space monsters apparently (laughs) um but they like that or that crocodile returned and ate the dinosaur like that that's what i call the monster from this one it's like (laughs) it's the dinosaur so the crocodile ate the mama dinosaur and then my mom was immediately like oh those babies are gonna starve (laughs) and so i immediately was like they should take them home and train them, and then they can give them armor and right. ride them into the battle. Sigil. Yeah, and then that's actually like what happened. Is like right when Bo returned to the the covert and was like, "We have more foundlings," and the babies were paraded out of the <laughs> ship. I was like, "Yes!" So that was that was very satisfying. I'm glad that they didn't leave the little baby chickens out to starve i think that was the first thing i thought too when (laughs) when like when they landed i was like oh you know what this wasn't a net good thing here these these babies are gonna starve yeah we're uh trading one foundling for three others now yeah um for me personally i think the actions i already mentioned this but the action scene being a highlight but the other highlight probably the stronger highlight at least for me is that grogu flashback yes definitely um there's some characterization there we got to see grogu's fear his almost uh primal uh fear this Jedi purge that you know he lived through that we got to see in Episode Three of Star Wars, um, and our new savior character Ahmed mm-hmm. Best playing Kelleran Beck, this awesome Jedi character who yeah. saves Grogu. I mean, come on, that's enough clout. That you know? is some <laughs> redemption right there for I this think man. So, like yeah. I remember, like obviously I wasn't around. I don't think back then when he got all the the flack for Jar Jar who. Is annoying, but I mean, come on, you, that's not the actor's fault. Right, yeah. But I mean, what is a better redemption for an actor? It's like, sure, you were kind of given a lot of flack for playing Jar Jar, but now you're playing the dude who saved Baby Yoda, mm-hmm. who is the biggest internet sensation. I don't remember when The Mandalorian first came out, but ever since then, he's the biggest internet <laughs> sensation, like, ever. So that is that is some impressive stuff. And, you know, what I heard or what I saw on YouTube when I was doing my due diligence on this episode. That's right. There was a theory. I don't know if you noticed this in the flashback, but the style of ship that Keller and Beck uses looks very similar to the Naboo-style ships from the prequels. Mm -hmm. So there is a theory that Jar Jar, who was the representative from Naboo at the time, might have been those, like one of those companions, friends Mm -hmm. that Kelleran mentioned. So if that is true, then Jar Jar and Kelleran Beck (laughs) are responsible for saving Baby Yoda. So that is not just actor redemption that is character redemption for jar jar as well especially since the last thing we really saw him do other than running around and goofing up all the time was to vote emergency powers oh yeah to uh, the biggest dictator in the galaxy <laughs> and cause decades of tyranny oops oops bad um misa done goofed up, yeah, messed up. <laughs> made a bunch of mistakes um the mistakes grogu were made. the grogu uh uh, lore additions in this this flashback are really interesting, but not just the f- the 
past, but also the present, we got to see Baby Yoda further his relationship with this clan. This Mandalorian hideout has become kind of a new home for him. And the armor gifting him the sigil, uh, for me, teases something more. And not, I forgot to mention this in the recap, but found, the foundling Ragnar uh, teases Grogu for not being not having a helmet on. <laughs> and the rule, uh, from from what I remember, was that uh, if you can't uh, you can't have a helmet unless you speak like the tongue of the creed. You have to be able to speak the creed to right. wear the helmet. So I think uh, maybe some foreshadowing there. I think with this uh, season, they're certainly no stranger to some foreshadowing foreshadowing the first shot of season three was ragnar we didn't know and we talked about this when we did our recap of episode one is this kid going to come back he comes back so i think uh for me maybe we'll see at the end of the season a little helmet hopefully it gets <laughs> ditched though because i think like the biggest money maker is grogu's face and if you just put a helmet over it it's yeah. probably not gonna be you know um, but maybe but give him a hood or something. You can't take it off or they'll have to go back to That's Mandalore right. and he'll yeah. have to bathe in the living waters. <laughs> and get eaten by the Mythosaur. full Beskar yeah. because apparently that's that's how you take a bath to redeem yourself. You have to be in full Beskar, especially but, if you're with other people because then you just have to go right back yeah. in. Yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> and speaking actually of that initial scene where they do see the Mythosaur, um, I was thinking about this uh, earlier today where uh, – Mando was knocked out, so he didn't see the Mythosaur, but Bo did. And this becomes relevant at the end. As I mentioned in my recap, uh, Bo mentions to the armor that she saw the Mythosaur, and now she's wearing both sigils of her previous clan, which, which abandoned her, and the new clan that seems to have uh, found her almost uh, and, and made a true home for her and, and given her that companionship that she lost. Uh, I think maybe we'll see some more relevance to that. Uh, maybe she'll be the one to bring all the clans together, as we seem to be mentioning. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be a common theme within this episode, uh, the strengthening of faith and uh, the rekindling of a previous passion, that being uh, Bo's allegiance to the Creed. Mm -hmm. I think uh, for me personally, that's, that's an obvious development, sure, but something really interesting and I I can't help but talk about it. <laughs> and going back to Grogu, because he's my favorite character, and I can't go very long without talking about him, I think that that also kind of fits in this episode, because when he is given the armor by the armorer, it has the sigil of the Mudhorn on it, which is kind of like his and Din's Clan of Two's sigil that's been a thing ever since Baby Yoda saved him from the Mudhorn back in the first season. And not only that, but this is right after Grogu has had this very traumatic flashback, right when like, Grogu had looked so sad and it hurt my soul. <laughs> like, that is not okay. He's not allowed to look like that. It is painful to me to see that. It's like, this poor baby has PTSD. And I was very happy when the armor gave him that armor. Not just because of the, you know, progression in the overall story, but because of how Grogu felt in that moment is like she I don't think she knew what was happening to him at that moment. But she somehow knew what to say because mm. she told him immediately after he had this very traumatic flashback from Order 66 where his life was in danger. And it was probably the most scared he's ever been. And she gives him armor and says, this will keep you safe. And it's like, I don't know how, if she knew how reassuring that was to him at the moment, but I think it helped him a lot with that. 
also helped me knowing that Grogu yeah. <laughs> Grogu was visibly yeah. more uh, in a better mood, you know, mm-hmm. um, after that. I also love how Grogu hides in his egg during the flashback. Yeah, it's it's a common <laughs> common escape path. I, I wonder if uh, I wonder if it, how it's so cute. durable that thing is. <laughs> um, probably not much. I'm sure somebody can just like use the force and rip it open, you know. But hopefully that well, never happens. Not clones. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But maybe maybe Anakin would sneak by and, you know, get a glimpse of Grogu. Nope, Anakin forgot to check the elevator. Yeah, he so didn't, no. Yeah, he missed <laughs> Grogu when he was executing the yeah. the children in the traumatic Jedi Purge. Yeah. Um. So where do we think the story's going to go from here? I feel like the, we mentioned, you know, Bo getting uh, more important throughout mm-hmm. this uh, series, which was quite a twist for me i thought she was still going to be kind of relegated to that side character role but it was teased mm-hmm. you know with her being upset about the whole dark saber saber stuff which seems to be put on the back burner now i think their relationship has uh, somewhat been uh, healed you know um but uh i feel like one character that we're forgetting is Vizla. i feel like uh this time in this series in this season uh, he's getting more characterization a little bit more flesh to his bones and i feel like Maybe he's not going to make it. I oh, hope, which no. I, I don't know. I feel like uh, Star Wars, you know, the second they flesh somebody out, they get rid of it. <laughs> so, you know, maybe maybe that's what's going to happen to poor Vizsla over here and our foundling will be left without, without a father, which he, is a common Star Wars story, right? Yeah. He has kind of made amends with Bo and Mando mm-hmm. at this point where after Ragnar was saved, he's kind of like, hey, we're cool now. Like you saved my kid. You're... You're in my, you got off my bad books. Yeah, yeah. Finally. <laughs> who knows how relevant that's going to be in future episodes, this mm-hmm. uh, this relationship that kind of will maybe be used as a tool. Who knows? Maybe our next episode mm-hmm. will we'll, uh, expand on that a little bit more. What if Mando and Bo just become like space mom and space dad? That's what I'm hoping. And then they just have like a whole big family of adopted foundlings, like, with Grogu would be the first one, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then if something happens to Vizsla, then Ragnar could join their <laughs> yeah, space yeah, yeah. family. The three chicken baby dinosaurs could join their space family. They could be like the pets. And we could just have like all these things. And that could also parallel Luke out, though, because like Luke's having this like Jedi temple right. school over here. And then Mando and Bo can have this little Mandalorian outcast family where they just like bring in... Kind of, you know, what, like what Mandalorians do anyway, now that I think about it. But just specifically with Din and Bo as space dad and space mom, I think that'd be fun. I think the biggest problem with The Mandalorian Season 3 is that Grogu doesn't have any friends. He's always trying to find, he's trying to, he's trying to find friends talking, Get you know. Get Grogu a sibling yes. that he won't eat. He's Yes, he's got these rock <laughs> crab friends that, that Mando rips away from him. He's trying to develop connections and you make know, friends. You know, Mando was probably thinking about that, that episode in Season, I think, 2, was it, where they were transporting the frog lady. Oh, yeah. And Grogu <laughs> just kept eating all eating, of her eggs. Yeah, the babies, like... <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure those eggs were unfertilized. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope so. That 80% positive. <laughs> I uh, I think uh, maybe we'll see that. If, if we ever did get a friend for Grogu, it would definitely have to be bigger than him by yeah. like, at least twice the size. So Grogu would you know, start nibbling at his know. toes I or something. I feel like Grogu would, would push his luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel he like looked appetizing enough. Who wants to be friends with Grogu, I guess, if he's eating everything? I right? would. I would yeah. risk it. I... I I don't know. My toes are kind of valuable, you know? I got to wear some Beskar <laughs> boots or something yeah. around them. I mean, this is the way. 
That's true. You're supposed to be wearing full armor yeah, like all yeah, the time anyway. Right. So maybe I mean, that's what's, why Mando what's has all the that danger? Armor. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got to see him use some force abilities as well uh, during his training sequence uh, with Ragnar. Uh, really cool. Um, I like seeing more. Uh, the more I think about Luke Skywalker, the better, I guess. And seeing him use any kind of force ability, Grogu use any kind of force ability, it makes me think about that. Pretty cool that we get to see that training and the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, have some more relevance that kind of makes up for it at least in my opinion the i mean two episodes of the book of boba fett were just dedicated to the mandalorian you know so mm. i feel like making the that more relevant is really nice seeing more force abilities hopefully we'll see some more maybe um we'll see some forced lightning who knows um we did uh unlimited yeah, yeah, power. Yeah. <laughs> well uh, i mean because uh it was alluded to in season two i believe that uh with ahsoka you know sensing some kind of darkness within grogu Maybe. Well, like fear and yeah, that yeah. could be his PTSD, but it could be something more. Maybe, him, maybe there isn't something more to it. Maybe that'll manifest in some mm-hmm. kind of force ability, some something interesting. I just um, hope they do it better than they did Ray. Yeah, because yeah. everyone was just like, "You went straight to the." Do-. It's like she's no. no. <laughs> and then like the whole Ben Solo stuff, where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker wants to kill the kid because he sensed uh, a little bit of let's darkness. Let's not get into that. Yeah, that, that makes me mad. I know we have to be careful <laughs> when we're talking about Grogu. We can't connect such dark energy. Yeah, to we need to keep him character. pure from the crimes of the sequels. Um, I think for me, probably the most interesting part of this episode, and probably why I liked it so much, was uh, the characterization and, and the elements of characters being added upon uh Bo was probably the highlight in terms of uh character growth you know i mean grogu had his great flashback and that's amazing you know mm-hmm. no mace windu cameo whatever not I'll, yet I'll, yeah maybe his ally maybe. is not jar jar binks but mace windu maybe that or maybe it's die. mace windu and jar jar binks i don't know <gasps> that's even better that's even better actually <laughs> i'd like to see that dynamic yeah oh 100 <laughs> yeah i feel like uh mace windu would not get along very well with jar jar like i mean if you thought qui-gon was mean in <laughs> Phantom Menace. Menace to Jar Jar, like I feel like Mace Windu would just have zero patience for that guy. I feel like Jar Jar and Grogu would be really good friends, though. I yeah. feel like you know maybe maybe we'll see some Grogu laughs mm-hmm. because of Jar Jar's comedic relief. Maybe that'll be uh, something we see mm-hmm. in another flashback. In my hopes and dreams, I'm sure. You know, <laughs> it'll it's not gonna happen. Come on, yeah. Disney Disney's not nice to me. They don't want to give me what I want. No. Um. I do want to see, though, uh, and hopefully they expand this some more. Um, I feel like we're watching The Mandalorian, but we're not seeing as much Mando uh, development as I kind of wish we would. We saw um, in the beginning, you know, with the Minds of Mandalore and, and him uh, and his, his Creed connections being restored. But ever since then, we've kind of had a little bit of a back burner to, yeah. to his character. And I think that's why it feels like there's not one big overarching plot in this as much like in the past we'd had this like goal that we were working towards with mando all season long and yes like each episode would have like get us a little closer we'd have to do this other side quest which i'm kind of kind of glad that we got away from that format but at the same time like we had the first two episodes that were very clear that we're pushing the story forward. There's mm-hmm. a lot of narrative momentum there. And then we got to the third episode. And the third episode had that big break where we stepped away from Mando entirely. And we just 
focused on Dr. Pershing for the entire, right. almost the entire episode, which was cool in its own way. But I'm like, I'm, I'm watching for Mando. Can yeah. we like, at least, like, I'm not saying don't have him at all, but maybe not as big a chunk. Maybe break it up, put it different places. Like, I don't know, just something that would help with the flow where, you know, we can still get the information we need from him because that, that has to be going somewhere. I'm oh, not saying 100%. that that, it's like, this is probably very important that we really need to have. But just to have the like narrative momentum continue where it feels like this is a season. There is an arc for the entire season and each episode is progressing that arc in some way. And I feel like for these last two episodes, we really haven't been doing that, which I'm hoping that, you know, the next episode, I haven't watched the one that came out yesterday which today we're filming this on march 30th so i'm talking about the one from the 29th i haven't seen that one yet um i was going to watch it later tonight because i didn't want to spoil myself when talking about this episode because for willow for my series for that and for rings of power i would always know more i'd be further along in the series than i was currently reviewing and so i thought this time i would try it and be like nope i'm just going to follow it as it comes out and make sure that i do not know anything beyond what i am talking about that might help with predictions and you know maybe be better quality in terms of me filtering what i say so i I'm always right because I like being right. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be much fun for your co-hosts if they didn't know. If you were like, yeah, well, actually this happened. Like, you know, whatever. This is going to happen in the next Interesting episode. Interesting yeah, theory. Yeah. Like just, yeah, you're totally wrong. Like yeah. next episode ends like that, actually, you know? Yeah. Um, I try not to do that. I I haven't seen that episode either just because of that as well. So mm-hmm. I, I don't blame you not wanting to make that mistake. And it also makes for like more interesting like theory crafting because if we already know what's going to happen, yeah. where's, you know, where's my Mace Window cameo going to be if I don't, you know, speak it into mm-hmm. existence, right? Um, I love Vizsla's characterization here. I think that's great. Bo, great. Hopefully we get to see some more of that. More Space Mom. More Space Mom. Grogu, flashback, amazing. Finally, we got to see it. It was teased in the trailer. If, you know. I you, want more. Yeah, that's that's the thing. <laughs> I actually want more because, like, Revenge of the Sith was my favorite prequel oh, yeah. movie. I'm sure many far. agree as well, yeah. So, like, it was really cool seeing that as, as tragic as the Jedi Purge is. And as much as I'm disappointed because I really, like, I find Anakin as a really tragic character. And I actually like him a lot, minus the... Um, youngling massacre moves <laughs> as m- the one youtube channel with the ai deep fakes oh, calls yes. it that i watch greatest trend of all so time. so funny uh yeah so apart from the that whole turning to the dark side thing which is kind of very tragic for him but especially like throughout the clone wars which i haven't watched all of them but his relationship with ahsoka and padme and all and obi-wan especially like that final fight in Mustafar really, really upsets me because of how close they are. So even apart from that, Revenge of the Sith is still my favorite because it is just the most stuff happens. It's the most interesting and it feels like a culmination mm-hmm. for a character that I like but is really tragic and I really like to see it. And I just 
I connected more with it. There's like, oh, this was from Revenge of the Sith, kind of like nostalgia. Yeah. There's like, I know people complain. It's like, oh, like Rise of Skywalker had way too much nostalgia. It's all like, <laughs> oh, look, here's R2-D2. Do you remember? It's like, okay, I can understand why that stuff gets annoying. But nostalgia by itself is perfectly fine. And it actually is a lot better than being like, hey, remember all that stuff you liked about Star Wars? Get rid of it. We're doing something else now. Just forget the past. Kill it if you have to. Ryan Johnson, I'm looking at you. (laughs) No, I will take J.J. Abrams' nostalgia and even the stupid mystery box over that. Does it count as nostalgia if the whole movie is just a copy of A New Hope, like The Force Awakens, or is that different? <laughs> um, I gave a Force, The Force Awakens a pass um, because it was it was fine. It was like, what, 30, 40 I thought, years after? I thought Rey was a bit overpowered, which oh, yeah. I hadn't considered her Mary Sue yet because I was waiting to see where that went. And I do consider her Mary Sue, but at I, the time, yeah. I had given her a lot of grace because, you know, we, we just didn't know where she came from, I was going to give J.J. Abrams a chance mm-hmm. to explain before I, you know, slap the label on, which eventually happened when, oh, you're nobody. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Mary Sue then. Thanks for telling me. I think uh, it's funny because the sequels didn't have uh, at least an overall uh, trilogy kind of structure, you know. Where there was no plan. There's no plan. They had no plan. And honestly, maybe maybe I shouldn't be saying this because I did say this is my favorite episode, but... Uh, <laughs> We are kind of seeing that uh, that lack of structure with this episode, yeah. and it does kind of scare me. Cause, and that's more for future episodes. I don't. I want... wouldn't say scared. I would say a little concerned because these mm-hmm. episodes haven't insulted me. That's true. Yeah, we so... haven't taken characters <laughs> and ruined them yet. Yeah, so I'm a little concerned. I know Mandalorian has had a pretty good track record. They had the the Luke Skywalker reveal, so they at least have some sense of give the fans what they want because that was the greatest thing they could have done. 100%. So, I'm not going to relegate them as like, "Oh, they're they're not ha- this doesn't seem as structured as I think it should be. That means it's going to be like the sequels." I don't think that that's necessarily true, at least not yet. I'm hoping that it's not. Please don't don't, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. You know, at least half of the fandom hated the sequels. Oh, so, yeah. Maybe try to do something that only 2% hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think, though, we are, have to see. And I mean, how many episodes are left? Do you know? I think four. four we decided episodes. that there was maybe eight. Like, that's kind of scary to me. We're, you know, we got to, I think we got to yeah. kick into gear just a little bit. I'm Hope. thinking, I'm hoping that episode five, five yeah, which five. came out yesterday, I'm hoping that that will get things started. Because, like, I'm fine with, like, one episode being you know shorter and more focused yeah. on characters like obviously we don't we haven't seen the whole season yet so we don't know exactly how this episode in the last one fit into the larger structure so it could very well be that they were progressing the mm-hmm. overall plot and, yeah, we, and just, we just didn't know we just don't know what it is yet because it's something that's not necessarily going to come out of nowhere but not anything that's like like, let's go to Mandalore. Okay, we, we know we're going to Mandalore. So, mm-hmm. it's like, we have that goal that we know we are working towards. Maybe we are working towards something but haven't 
put it together yet. Right. And I think we're seeing that with the with Bo's uh, characterization and her entire character really just mm-hmm. being changed and probably for the better. Um, I think we are seeing some setup material kind of going on, some some classic writing techniques to make these mm-hmm. these interesting things come up. I think they could have executed it better and made it more structured. More uh, which, seamless. Yeah. I, it does kind of come out of nowhere. I agree. But I th- don't think it is the worst. Yeah. I mean, we've seen some character assassinations in Star Wars here. Yeah. I don't think we're there yet. It takes a lot to offend me. It's and <laughs> this hasn't yet. We have a high tolerance, I think, at this yeah. point. Except for the sequels. Yeah. That crossed the line. Right, right. Um <laughs> But I do, uh, I do think, you know, for what this episode is, it is my favorite. It is, uh, I mean, I kind of like the last one too, to be honest. I think that's a hot take, but uh, I, I don't know. I kind of like little, you know, little love story kind of thing. Like it's kind of, it's not really a love story, but maybe. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm where that. she ended up completely well, betraying <laughs> him and being <laughs> evil. <laughs> I think uh, any cl- any classic Star Wars story has a little bit of betrayal, right? You know. <laughs> Um, but I, I think, uh, no, I like the human elements of Star Wars. If you Wars. thought Anakin and Padme was bad, <laughs> just you wait. But I, I do, uh, I, I like seeing human elements and, and I want to relate to Star Wars media and Star Wars character. And I think that's why I kind of liked this episode quite a bit. Um, we got to see, you know, more emotion in this one, probably than any other episode in this season, mm-hmm. just, just from Grogu flashback alone. Um, but you know. And it's a shame that Bo's got a helmet on because we don't really get to see a lot of uh, her facial expressions and all that. I think she does a pretty good job, though, like body Physically, acting. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you Which there. Which is what made, like, the first few episodes of the season, the first season, so good because Pedro Pascal was able mm-hmm. to get a lot of emotion and across not just without having, yeah, without having his mask off at all. I don't think he took his helmet off until, until like, episode? the end of season two. With, uh, IG-11? Oh wait. Well, well, well. Yeah, for other people. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 True. True. Because he does. Yeah. He has to remove the helmet to get healed or whatever by IG Eleven. If I remember yeah. right. Which yeah, is, I think he does do that for IG Eleven, but that doesn't really. Right. Count. That doesn't. We don't count that. Yeah. That's yeah. a little, and it's kind of short too. And it's it's funny because I think that's a lot of uh, a lot for me, but a lot of people that's their first time seeing Pedro's face and now he's just like yeah. super famous now and everybody's talking I about him. I watched Game of Thrones so I knew Yeah, you know. And, and he was in Narcos and all yeah. that and that was a big Quick show. Quick uh, fun fact for anyone who's seen him in Game of Thrones. I understand why he decided to choose a character that is always wearing a helmet. Is, uh, <laughs> is that I didn't watch Game of Thrones. I, I'm not a... I'll tell you later. Yeah, yeah we'll see. <laughs> watch Game of Thrones if if you can stomach it, <laughs> it's a it's a little rough. I know the last season was bad, <laughs> is what everyone says. Yeah, I'm I'm not talking about skill though for him. He he was only in like a season or two nice. before he so was he's a probably killed he off. Probably didn't make it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Hopefully he makes it. At yeah. The end of um, this one. If you're confused to what I'm saying, look up how he gets killed off, and you will understand. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> uh, now I want to look it up. Yeah, you but should. <laughs> hopefully he makes it through this one though. I. I don't think we're going to get a big character death or anything like that. Uh, the Mandalorian uh, series in general seems to end its uh, season finales on somewhat of a high note. Maybe I'm just only thinking about yeah. season two with Luke Skywalker. But Yeah, I don't you know. Do you remember how season one ended? Um, I, Cause, like, just, I just remember Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker has overshadowed everything. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's kind of been the big thing. I think um, I know it. Uh, well, it we, ends with the Moth we Gideon stuff and then. You know, we had 
him remove his helmet for the first time uh, in front of IG-11 and get healed, and then IG-11 sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got to see uh, some redemption with uh, Carl Weathers' character towards the end. I don't think mm-hmm. it was that last episode. But it was. I think it was like an old-school like Mexican standoff kind of thing. That was probably the highlight of the episode. But... I don't. Oh, he gets a jetpack too. He does. He, he gets, gets the jet. jet he gets the jetpack, and and then that was yeah. See, now I feel so old. Okay, looking. yeah. I think season one did end with IG Eleven sacrificing. Yeah, himself. and that was kind of the high point. Um, at the time, we didn't you know know how much this was going to connect to the already established Star Wars characters and media and all that. So you know, for me, like I remember really liking that uh, season finale, and then I remember after season two with that ending, I told my dad who hadn't seen it yet i was like dad like and he's a huge star wars fan shout out shout out dad (laughs) um you know he really uh like luke skywalker and all that and i was like you know don't watch the sequels and he's big (laughs) about spoilers i remember when force awakens came out i was about to tell Mm -hmm. him that luke skywalker only shows up at the end and don't get excited and all this Mm -hmm. stuff um so i was careful to say you know for season two finale of the mandalorian what he should be on the lookout for and be excited about, but that he should see it. And I do think uh, we're seeing a trend here. Maybe season three we'll get another character. Maybe Moff Gideon returns. I feel like he's kind of been forgotten Mm -hmm. about because, I mean, wasn't he supposed to be on trial or something? Or, you know, captured? And uh, Giancarlo, uh, the actor that plays Moff Gideon, I think it'd be a waste to not bring him back in some kind of way. Um, We saw him be the main villain for season one and two, really, and now he's... Uh, not here. So, you know, maybe if we're setting anything up, it's a Moth getting return, but we are getting on the second half of the season here, so maybe we're running out of time for that. We'll you see. You know it would be fun? Now that Baby Yoda is getting more agency mm-hmm. and skills, I just noticed, or remembered, that season one ended with the heroes saving Baby Yoda. Season two ended with the heroes saving Baby Yoda. What if season three ends with Baby Yoda saving other people? <gasps> with his force training from Luke yeah. Skywalker? Like, it doesn't have to be some, like, big action right, set piece, right. but just, like, something small where he some, saves the day. Yeah, some... Uh, That'd be fun. Some writing, classic writing technique, you know? Yes. The, I think um, I think that'd be really amazing, actually. That, that's uh, That'd be really cool now that I think about it, because uh, you could see his uh, growth as a character, physically mm-hmm. speaking, with the training and stuff. I think... Uh, you know, giving him some more confidence and some more uh, uh, self-reliance on himself and, and you know, all that, uh, I think that would be really nice to see. And maybe, maybe you know, he'll get that lightsaber after all from Luke. <laughs> Who knows? Probably yeah, not. Yeah, please, can he be a Mandalorian Jedi? Yeah, man, like, and then, you know, with the, maybe he gets yeah. a dark saber. We've been talking about, I've been, I brought this up the last two times, so I'm not going to drone on about this, but I would very much like it if we had an alternate timeline away from the sequels where mm-hmm. everybody a can reset. just be... Where everybody can just be awesome, and like the the sequels can still exist over in there in their corner, but having a new like alternate direction mm-hmm. with Baby Yoda, and uh, just have that instead. <laughs> I think they're doubling down now because isn't that the guy in the last episode, the Doctor, the whole cloning uh you know subplot thing? I think that definitely leads into the Emperor and how he I comes still back. Don't. I still don't accept that. I, I they're doubling down. <laughs> you have to you have to face the facts. No, they're I, going for it. They're that doing is, it. No, why would they're doing mm, it? Why would the emperor clone himself? Uh, I mean, a limited power, right? <laughs> yeah, but why would he have sent a clone in episode six? He wasn't scared of the rebels. Well, he did. 
in the Star Wars Battlefront 2 video game, there's in the campaign, he has like a robot like protocol or whatever that in case of like his death it like takes over or something and it has like a hologram of his face or something really silly is that cloning though no but like he, he has this but like because you're saying protocol. that he was actually there but died and then his like consciousness was, was kind of like uploaded to an ai which kinda is like different that, yeah. it's been a which while. is completely different that's probably more interesting to be honest than the yeah clone, that but... and that would make more sense because why would the emperor send a clone I mean, unlimited power. It's because you know. the writers wanted him to, apparently. Right, yeah. And it's a convenient way to completely circumvent everything that was established in the original trilogy for the sake of letting Rey defeat the big bad. The big herself. bad that should have been Snoke, and then it was killed off in The Last Jedi. Yeah, which, like, I wouldn't have minded if you had a plan for where to go after that. Yeah, like make which uh, you didn't. Kylo step up, because that would be a, that'd be a shakeup, because, you know. But, like... I mean, Kylo wouldn't have been able to step up right, with how like they had established him. Because if he they'd just, wrote it differently. You yeah. Know. He had zero. There was zero tension about him. I was not yeah, scared no. or intimidated by him at all. I think in the trailers I was intimidated and then, you know, he takes his helmet off. It's like he's, he's whiny and right. he got beat completely by a girl who's picked up a lightsaber for the first time. Yeah. Which I don't care that he was injured because if he was that injured... That he could not properly duel with a lightsaber. He could have beat her with the force. And she didn't have force abilities until like towards the end of that fight where she picked up the lightsaber too. Mm-hmm. So he totally could have just knocked her up. You he know, and he got should her. have He should have been able to beat her right. somehow. And we just didn't see that because... That's you know, not what happened. <laughs> writing, uh, writing is too hard, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Um, hopefully we won't see those mistakes. Mary Sue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mary Sue powers activate. Hopefully, uh, well... You ever think that Mando's kind of a Mary Sue? No. Uh, a man man version of Mary Sue? He's got that best car armor, which is, like, entirely plot armor. And, I mean, fine. You know, he's got to be alive somehow and whatever. All I've that. never gotten the impression that he is because he still struggles. It's true. There's still tension. And that's the biggest thing for a Mary Sue. So, Mary Sues are bad, in my opinion. They're bad writing. Not because they are a character archetype, but they are a symbol of the narrative bending to benefit the character in a way that completely eliminates the tension. So like with with Rey, I was never afraid that she was going to lose. And she had force healing in The Rise of Skywalker yeah, she, at one she point just, too. It felt literally like the universe was bending. We were getting new lore. Mm-hmm. We were getting... Like she suddenly doesn't have to train to use the Force. She can pilot the Millennium Falcon better than Han, despite having never left her desert planet or <laughs> lifted a or piloted anything ever, except maybe like the speeder thing that she had. Right. But apart from that, so it's like we are getting all these things from her that she should not have been able to do, that the universe is just giving to her. Whereas Mando seems to be fitting with the rules of the universe. He's not, I don't, at least I do not remember any instances where it felt like the universe was creating rules or bending to suit Mando mm-hmm. and to make it easier for Mando. He has still had to operate within the rules of the world. There is still tension when he's fought monsters. Baby Yoda had to save him from the Mudhorn. Ray doesn't get saved by anybody <laughs> ever. She doesn't need it. When people come to save her, she's already saved herself. And with the whole, like the dark troopers... He struggled. Like, he did eventually defeat the one Dark Trooper. The one, yeah. But they would have not made it. Without Luke's help. Without Luke. Yeah. 
and I, Luke was able to do it because he had the force and the lightsaber. Right. Obviously, that's and a, like there's a difference there. But Mando and everybody in that room would have perished. Yes, there, Moff Gideon. there would they would have had no chance. Yeah. So I do not think that Mando is a Mary Sue, in at least how I consider it. Um, that is, I know people will sometimes like have differing opinions on what exactly the definition of a Mary Sue or Gary Stew or That's Marty what Stew, it was, yeah. whatever <laughs> one you want to use for the male equivalent. It, obviously, if you, it's all about deti- defining your terms, right? Like, so I try to define my terms whenever I use Mary Sue in an actual breakdown. But obviously, if you're just like, oh, it's too powerful. It's like, no, that's that's not necessarily it. You can have Superman, but if he still has to suffer the consequences, the world doesn't bend around him, and there's still tension in the story because not everything is handed to him, then he's not a Gary Stew. So it all depends on the writing. It's not the character or any traits that the character has. It's the writing and how the writing handles the character that I have the problem with. I think it's also uh, establishment as well because... You know, with mm-hmm. Superman, he's established as this perfect. You know why kind of guy. he. You, you know why. You he know has why he has the powers. And then Ray is like, well, I'm, and you know what his weakness is. Yeah, exactly. And and with Ray, it's just like I, I'm a, I'm just a scrapper. You know, like I'm just a guy, girl, whatever that can. You know, I do I know. <laughs> She's a nobody. Yeah, like it's you know just a random schmo that you could pick up on the street that has some fighting experience. That somehow has a better metachlorian count than. You know, Anakin Skywalker, right, who right. was conceived by the Force, though it's not really possible to have higher Force sensibilities than Anakin. The literal chosen one. Yeah. As they say. And then they ruin it. And even Rey Anakin had one. to have training. So it's like people will compare Anakin or Luke to Ray and say, well, if Ray's a Mary Sue, they're Gary Stews. They're not, though. It's totally Th- different. They lost their hands. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like- they lose fights, guys. That's not comparable. The My favorite part of the sequel trilogy, despite being in The Last Jedi, which I hate as a whole. It's one of the few movies that I completely despise. Was when Snoke just beat her around the throne room. Like he was just oh, completely yeah, yeah. messing with her because that was the one time where I felt that Ray was outmatched and could possibly right. lose. And so of course Snoke is just completely discarded nice, immediately yeah. by Kylo Ren. And <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, anything like you could have set that up. And, and there away. went the tension. I know. Yeah, it's like all right. I think uh, to encompass a lot of our sequel talk here, to, to bring it know, back to Mando, bring it back to Mando. <laughs> I think one of our biggest problems, just generally speaking, with the whole fandom as a whole, is that we are getting uh, very, you know, uh, disconnected storylines and, and uh, they should be connected. That, they should make sense right, together. There should not be anything weight. insulting. We should have like uh, genuine stakes for things and mm-hmm. and make things exciting again, like. You know, like I was when I saw Obi-Wan and Anakin fight on Mustafar for the first time, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm like super enjoying that as a kid. feel something you know? other than complete hatred. Right. And I, I just Because hatred leads to the dark side. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, and I, I just think that, uh, you know, we're, we saw that with the sequel trilogy and then Mando came out and everyone credits, 
you know, John Favreau for saving yeah. Star Wars. Guys, like he saved Marvel and all that. If you have not watched any reaction videos to Luke Skywalker coming, <laughs> oh, no, that was huge. Do it. I was watching those for weeks. Do <laughs> it. I I've watched them as frequently as like a month or so ago yeah. because it's just like it's so powerful. It's and what that moment meant to Star Wars. Star Wars, fans. right there. Yeah, like seriously, knows. take notes, Disney. Right. It's not that hard. It's we free. are not wanting you to fail. Star Wars fans do not want you to fail. We want good Star Wars. If you can give us good Star Wars, we will pay you for it. <laughs> we'll buy your uh, Grogu mer- merchandise. Yeah, yeah. I have so many Baby Yoda merchandise stuff from The Mandalorian. I have none from the sequels. And there is a reason for that. It's not because I'm a toxic fan. It's because the sequels had bad writing and I couldn't get attached to any of the characters because there were no stakes, there was no tension. And Baby Yoda is not only adorable, but from a much better show. That's true. And I, and the storylines are more impactful. The and even it's less consequential than, you know, the mainline trilogies that we always see, but mm-hmm. it somehow feels more impactful. I think it's more like Star Wars, too. It's more. Yeah, it's more Star Wars, but it's also something different where we have some Western inspiration, mm-hmm. especially with season one of the Mandalorian. And we're focusing on Mandalorians instead of Jedi. Right. Yeah. Which like, we've been with Jedi for the entire time. And that's, that's I like Jedi. That's that 3D. You it's know, a different thing. Then. It's kind of like if we would have focused on like Finn's backstory was so interesting because he was a rebelling stormtrooper. That's right. And that was a perspective that we hadn't seen before. And a great and setup. That's, and that's what's ma- what makes Andor good or the Mandalorian good is that it's not the same thing. We are fleshing out the world and we are adding to it. We're not taking away from what has happened like the sequels did. We are not lessening or tearing down the past, killing the past. We're not doing that. We are adding that is what fans like. Fans like it when you add. They don't like it when you take away. So that is why these shows are successful because we are adding to the world. We were with the Jedi for the sequels. Okay, cool. Let's talk about Mandalorians now. Let's talk about the darker side of the rebellion. Without tearing down what made the rebellion good, let's incorporate, okay, well, you know, it's not just black and white. Mm-hmm. Have a character like Andor and flesh that out. That is what makes good Star Wars is when you add things. And you see that so many times, actually, now that I think about it. You see that with The Mandalorian, and you see that with even, like, Book of Boba Fett to some extent. But you're also seeing that with Rogue One. You mm-hmm. know, when that came out, everyone was like, this is awesome. This mm-hmm. is great. And it's not just because it has a lot of nostalgia. You know, you bring back Darth Vader in a modern Star Wars movie. That's insane. That's mm-hmm. that's really cool to a lot of people and really appealing. But you get the best of both worlds where you get something new and something old and i think what makes the mandalorian so successful is that we are getting something mostly stuff that is new but also a little bit of what's old you know with luke skywalker Mm and and you know the universe as a whole the jedi stuff you know and some extended material content uh like the mandalorians as a whole you know because now people see the armor and they don't think it's just Boba Fett or Jango Fett's armor now. It's the Mandalorian mm-hmm. armor. You know, so those additions that we Flesh see to the... stuff out. Right. So, like, fleshing things out and making things more interesting. You know, we're seeing so much of that now. And I just hope we continue to get there. I know maybe we'll see that with Ahsoka, that show, and the Rebels uh, line of characters as a reset, whole. Reset. 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 <laughs> Mace Windu and Mace Reset. Windu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I think uh, we're going to see that. And... Hopefully, we get a little bit more additions um, 
and it seems like we're going to be going that way with just the Bogotan stuff and, uh, you know, the uh, reuniting of the clans, the reunification of, of all these different factions that are now splintered off. Um, you know, with this episode, we kind of tease that. We kind of get there. Maybe Bo's the one destined to do this. Um, but I just think that for episode four of The Mandalorian, uh, we are hitting a bit of a slow patch, you know, uh, in terms of overall story structure and narrative. But I do feel there's a storm coming. You know, maybe Moffat Gideon will be back or they'll maybe. set up a new character. Or maybe, maybe we'll get another portrayal. Who knows? Maybe uh, Vizsla is a bad guy or something. <laughs> I don't know. Something silly that wouldn't make sense. And that's totally fit within Star Wars lore. So, you know, and, and Star Wars history. As long as you do it well. Right, right. Do uh, or, it well. Or you could not do it well. <laughs> and, and, no, you know. that's not an option. That is not that an is option. That is not the way that yes perfect wow that was great <laughs> that was smooth <laughs> um any final thoughts for for our mandalorian season three episode four the foundling review slash commentary i think that basically does it i mean baby yoda adorable bo-katan loving the space mom energy loving the coming into her own and her own journey of faith and finding a group of people, maybe she'll be going for taming the mythosaur. Mm-hmm. That could be something that's coming up. And I'm really glad to see where she goes. I'm excited to see where she goes. I'm excited to see Grogu's Mandalorian slash Jedi progression. And I'm pretty, pretty hopeful thinking that, you know, I want to see how the Pershing stuff that we spent so much time on last episode faces off i'm hoping that that might be tied to the end of the season and seeing how it all fits together i think for me as well um for my final thoughts i do agree with you maybe uh, i hope that we see some of that episode three stuff become relevant i i really really don't want to see that be irrelevant in another show where i gotta wait a few months for you know something else Mm -hmm. to come out for that to make sense um, or make more sense because i I mean they can't just leave it in the dark you know Mm -hmm. um maybe we'll see some uh returning characters from that episode um i forgot her name already but the the one that betrays the doctor you know maybe we'll see, yeah yeah maybe we'll see her come back in some kind of way um it would feel a little bit forced probably just because like she has seems to have nothing to do with our mandalorian storyline here but maybe they'll do it right who knows if if they can combine happens. it that'd be great that would be great i think that's interesting and that helps to add to the overall mm-hmm. uh story structure that we were talking about that we want to see um I do think we're getting a lot of things set up here, Bo especially, um, but also not just in the f- uh, in the future, but also the past. We're getting a lot more character exploration with Grogu. You know, the flashback is really cool, and any Order sixty six content, Jedi Purge content that I can get, I'll take. I will consume it all because that increases my chances of seeing Mace Windu one more time. That's <laughs> <laughs> why. Um, no, but seeing those armors and all that, it's always cool. Those lightsabers, always cool. Um, so I think for me personally, I mentioned this before, saw a 9 out of 10, close to a 10 if there was just a few more uh, overall, you know, complaints that I talk about where I'm like, all right, I want an overall story now. Like we're, we're a little bit past the halfway point now. We need to get something, something kind of going. At least I want that to be, but maybe they'll make it interesting by the finish line. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, but that wraps up our thoughts on The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 4, titled The Foundling. Make sure to stay tuned for uh, more episodes, uh, commentaries on The Mandalorian, as well as a multitude of other content provided by Entertainment Rebooted. 
Be sure to also check out our show airing at 1 p.m. on Sundays on WZIP 88.1. There's some great stuff, stuff coming that you don't want to miss. Again, I'm David, joined by Natalie. Thank you for listening, and this has been Entertainment Rebooted.